Welcome to the episode 8 Amazing Race Canada 5 recap podcast with RTV Warriors. I am Logan Saunders, the guy who loves being punch drunk. And joining me, as ever, is the guy who patrols up and down the streets of Panama City looking for somebody with a Star of David on their sleeve, Michael Harmstone. Contrary to popular belief, I am more of a Nazi hunter than a Jew hunter. <laughs> So you're saying that you'd be on the Charlottesville uh, neo-Nazi version of Hunted? Yeah, I would be the the flat-cap Charlie of the Charlottesville neo-Nazi version of Hunted, yes. I guess Blaze would fit in well with the whole KKK uniform, I guess. Yeah, that would work. And also, you're not allowed to make Hunted jokes till you watch it, because it's awesome. <laughs> I pretend to know what's going on with Hunted. The one person that Logan knows from Hunted is Blaze because I've made so many jokes about him. <laughs> I assume that Blaze. At first, I thought Blaze was just the name of one of the characters from American Gladiators, the that old school '90s game show, which pretty much is a direct copy of, or or rather, American Ninja Warriors, a direct copy of American Gladiators for the most part. Yeah, and Gladiators is also a favorite of friend of the show, uh, David Bindley. I think his Sucks avatar is still a gladiator entrance from Swedish gladiators, I think. What? Get out of here. I think it is, because I remember he sent me the gift before he made it his avatar. I wonder what his opinion is on Wesley Two Scoops Barry. So, another fun episode. Yes, it's like we were just talking about this yesterday. <laughs> I was wondering whether we were going to draw attention to this or just uh, keep it as a running joke, but yeah, my recorder didn't work yesterday. So guess what? I downloaded the same application, so just in case the same thing happens, it should record on my side. And if nothing else, this is now podcast 208 and a half. Yes. Hooray. We love our fractions for podcasts. I believe we've had a fraction podcast before. Yeah, it's it's typical that it happened on the one week that we were actually recording something outside of the podcast as well, straight afterwards. Oh, I know another time where we did it. It was when um, we did the Fraction podcast, too, for the Quebecois water kayaking guy that never that never made it onto our... that never made it public. Did we? Yeah, we did an emergency podcast because the guy who did the water kayak thing for Amazing Race Canada 3 was really upset that seeming OP and Neil and Kristen struggled with the task. Yeah, that those two teams struggled with the water kayaks, and it was a sport he invented, and he thought it was humiliating on TV, and then he uploaded his fake contract onto <laughs> onto the website when it was clear that he uh, probably be met of modified it without production's permission. And then it was so hilarious when he said he was going to sue production for millions of dollars, dollars with two Ds, um, much like Ke- Kevin and Ryan when they go to a sperm bank. Oh. And... And uh, he was just really upset and we podcasted about it, but then it never made it on. I had completely forgotten that we'd done that. Yeah, that would have been two years ago. And the best thing is that we're going to probably tell the exact same jokes that we told like 24 hours ago, and it's going to be hilarious because we're going to fake laugh at everything. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Just uh, stick around for the third time when when it's the matinee. I can't believe that that happened. That is the first time... I've been using this recorder ever since we moved to just audio-only podcasts. I've never had an issue with it. And the one time that I have an issue with it, we're recording something else straight at the end as well. And 
something I do have to draw attention to is that this podcast, and technically the last podcast as well, has now broken the longest streak on the podcast record at 48. I'm still in disbelief that I had time to do 47 podcasts in a row two years ago. I know, but um, coincidentally, the time you set that streak, because I had a, a week off, was also the time when an episode didn't record properly. Because it was 27 episode 3 that I missed, and then 27 episode 4 you guys recorded, and then for some reason it didn't record properly. So it's serendipitous. Oh, that is very fitting. Yeah, so we ended up having to do a episodes 4 and 5 recap back-to-back. So anytime one of us breaks a record, we should just really be careful. Whoever breaks your record next time. Something tells me that no one's going to break this record. <laughs> Not unless you manage to find some shows that I don't cover. Yes, we're going to start covering The Ultimate Fighter. Um, maybe I'll start off a Simpsons podcast. Uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff. It's really annoying because we actually discussed on yesterday's podcast about your predictions for the Floyd Mayweather versus, um, what's his face? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor fight. And you made a prediction, and I was hoping that you were going to be completely wrong just because then I could release it and make you look like a, a moron, but you were right. I was almost, I was two rounds away from my prediction being perfect, so I said it was Mayweather by decision, and it was a 12-round fight, and Mayweather scored the TKO, TKO near the end of the 10th round. And I also mentioned on that that my manager at work has gone to Vegas, not officially for the fight, just for fun, but he did actually get tickets. What? I know, someone got him tickets. It's $2,000 for a ticket there. I know, someone gave him tickets, apparently. Well, the stadium, they overpriced it so much that the arena fits 20,000 people at the T-Mobile Arena, and they only had 14,000 people in attendance, because the cheapest ticket was $1,900, American. And millions of people watching at home. Millions. Oh, did I tell you how crazy it was at the casino? You didn't. Um, Usually, like the past two UFC events, pay-per-views that I watch at the casino... Um, they have the little restaurant and bar set up there for people to watch it. And last time it was probably less than half full, and the time before that it was just over half full. And if it's a big like Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey fight, then by the time the pay-per-view rolls around, they're pretty close to full capacity. I showed up. They, they didn't even reopen the restaurant till 4.30. I showed up at 5.30, and there's you can't reserve anything, so it's first come, first served. When I got there at 5.30... They threw in a couple extra big picnic tables outside for people to sit at, and I got the very last seat at a, at the picnic tables. They just squeezed, and that and that was at five thirty, and I had to even wait five minutes for them to squeeze me into that seat, which means everybody filled up all the tables, all the extra seats, and were already standing at the individual seats behind the bar by five thirty. And what time was the fight on? Uh, the pay-per-view didn't even start till 6, and boxing is a bit different because you only watch the main event, but they throw in like three fights on the pay-per-view as well. And the main event didn't even start till after 8.30. That is ridiculous, then. Yes, people pretty much spent their entire afternoon from like, we're spending over, I think by the time it was all said and done, it was about 10 o'clock when I left, I think, or just after 10 so there's people that were there for, for over five and a half hours just to watch one fight where everybody knew who's almost guaranteed to win. That's ridiculous. And 
Also, talking of records being set, uh, happy 150 podcasts. Oh, is this my 150th? This is your 150th. My God. <laughs> 150th in just under four years, eh? Yeah, you're only 33 behind me. <laughs> yeah. I'm at 183. So by the end of this year, depending on... If there's no Amazing Race in the fall anywhere, then you're just going to have hunted. You won't make it to 200 by the end of this year. No, so hunted will be another six, I'm assuming. Plus we'll probably do a bonus episode for Celebrity Hunted, which is probably going to be in the next couple of weeks. Celebrity Hunted? Yeah, they do this charity fundraiser. Stand Up to Cancer. I know survivors. They do a Stand Up to Cancer night on the network that Air Hunted. It's where the Crystal Maze came back last year. But they've sort of not officially announced it yet, but everyone knows it's happening. They sent five celebrities on the run for two weeks. Um, Real celebrities? They're not as bad as usual. Not as bad as Celebrity Big Brother. Um, They're all right. Nothing special. But, um, yeah, I think it's five celebrities going on the run for two weeks to win money for Stand Up to Cancer. So New York from Flavor of Love will not be in this version? No, it's um, two people from Made in Chelsea, Annika Rice off of Treasure Hunt, which is awesome, and two guys from boy band The Wanted. The Wanted is on Hunted? Yeah. My God. So um, we've got that to look forward to. So um, we've got three more episodes of Amazing Race Canada, plus seven, so I'm going to be on another ten, so it'll be 193 I'll probably end of the year on. So we just got to throw in seven interviews by the end this year. Or six plus or you, you're in review podcast. Yeah, get planning. Yeah. You know how we skip the 200 celebration because of you strong-arming me into covering this shit show of a season? Maybe, yep. maybe we can do it to celebrate my 200th podcast. Oh, no. People are going to want to roast me instead of you, though. You want to roast me instead of you. Yeah, I want to roast you instead, <laughs> instead of me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you really think I'm going to let Joey Cavino anywhere near making jokes about me? <laughs> Given the unprompted, he he tagged me in that weird video of someone being dragged ass naked through a shower. <laughs> Which I don't think I've I've accepted on my timeline yet, actually. Or ever? <laughs> or ever, yeah. I love Joey so much, but that was odd. Yes, yes it was. Alright, now let's discuss the best episode of the season so far. Which, with this shit show of a season, isn't saying much. Yeah, the bar is the bar is pretty low. It's pretty low, almost as low as Kevin Ryan's sperm count after a visit to the sperm bank. <laughs> <laughs> How did the sperm joke even start? I can't even remember. This is going to be such a weird podcast because we're just going to be making inside jokes that we can't even remember the genesis of. (laughs) Alright, so last time on the Amazing Race Canada, teams went to western Newfoundland to cover the absolute last region in all of Canada that this series has yet to visit. Um, The Sam's important message from home led to a prescription for success. For some reason, we're just... There's a constant string of far- pharmaceutical references this season, and no, that doesn't involve Kevin and Ryan in their spare time. Um, the Giver Boys, what? I believe that's you said Monty the word, said what? that in the intro. What? You said the word what? <laughs> the Giver what? Boys 
had a rocky start. Then they were back on top after being outside the podium for several rounds. Um, Ivana beat out Ebony in the biggest comedic showdown of all time. It was like watching uh, freaking Greg Caraldo and Dave Chappelle square off on stage. And then there was no man- mention of Karen and Bert or Adam and Andrea in the preview. And Andrea and Ebony predictably go out in sixth place, which means Karen and Bert have nowhere left to hide this season. And that leads us into this leg, where we find out we're going to Panama City. And specifically, John Montgomery decides to introduce Panama City as being home to the world's greatest shock. <laughs> The, Jesus, the world's greatest shortcut. Pardon me. And in other words, it was the first man-made fast-forward in history. I'm so disappointed that Monty didn't say that Corey Nirvana had the last laugh as Andrew and Ebony were eliminated. Oh, yeah! He totally missed out on that opportunity. And also, for all the things that you highlight about Panama, and Lord knows I spoke to Brooke and Scott about how much they hated Panama, but for all the things that you say about Panama... Maybe not the world's greatest shortcut is the best one of them. <laughs> Maybe you say it has lots of culture and art and, you know, colourful people and loveliness and everything rather than, you know, a big-ass canal. Yes. And we did get some feedback about the thing I read on Reddit about how Amazing Race Canada teams are required to give money back to producers at the end of each leg. Apparently, it is halfway to being true as an anonymous source, very close to production, uh, said that it's completely randomized as to when teams are forced to give money back to production. It can be in consecutive legs, or it be every couple legs, or every three legs. There are never The teams are never told as to when they'll be instructed to give the money back. I assume it would be uh, after the either one round before or one round after the $1 legs that we see every season. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to learn something new about the show after all these years. So in summary, the the truth is actually halfway between what I said last week and what they said. Yes. It's not every single round, it's just completely randomized and un- unexpected. Points for everyone! Yes, we're we're all winners. We're all winners here, except for anybody who's watching this season. Then then nobody's a winner. <laughs> um, and this, of course, was supposed to be the leg that was going to be set in Kenya, but due to probably too expensive security measures for the leg, in combination with the election which took place a month ago, um, this was a last minute switch to Panama. Yeah. Everyone was looking forward to to a visit to Kenya, and surprisingly, it's still not going to happen. Yeah, and it's a shame because you kind of understand in retrospect why they had to do this. Because if this if this episode aired as it did a couple days ago, and it was the Kenya episode, it would have been really awkward because just a few weeks ago, the Kenyan government kicked out a bunch of Canadians and Americans to uh, prevent them from influencing the election. Because when you think of people who influence elections, you definitely think of Canada. Yeah, like there's this whole probe that we influenced uh, Trump being elected because that's what Justin Trudeau really wanted. The only time that Canada has ever influenced an election is when um, America thought it would be a good idea to, whilst the UK wasn't looking at trying to invade Canada, and Canada responded by setting fire to the White House. 
Yeah, now it's a really white house. Or an orange house. Yeah, now it's a, a, a sort of an orangey, fiery red house. <laughs> um, and on the topic of politics, which everyone loves us to discuss on this podcast, uh, we had a crazy comment on the Amazing Race Canada official Facebook page. And which one was that one? Well, there, you know those BMO videos where teams are saying like what they want to do for their community if they got a bunch of money? Um, if they had a million dollars, as Canadian band Very Naked Ladies would say. Um, Kevin and Ryan said they would put money into combating climate change, and then a crazy woman on the page said, uh, you can't control Mother Nature, and you can't cut a check to Mother Nature in the form of the new, tax, uh, the new uh, climate tax. So apparently that pollution in L.A. and in Asia is just completely natural and doesn't have any impact on the environment whatsoever. And the Great Barrier Reef didn't definitely not die just a few weeks ago at the ripe old age of 51 million years. We all know that that is completely scripted because Kevin and Ryan would indeed spend any money whatsoever on weed. (laughs) It's natural. It comes from the earth. Look at... Global warming is impacting our weed, bro. Bro, it comes from the ground. And then, of course, we get the Bio Museo as our first route marker for this leg of the race. Um, It's a very... This is what I love about Amazing Race Canada. Like, this is how Amazing Race Canada should be, is traveling to international destinations with Canadian connections. Like, going to this museum that has a really cool location um at the edge of of, uh uh between the two oceans and panama like i want to see that rather than i don't know a random task at a tim hortons or you know playing a hockey game you know just or uh you know something that involves maple syrup how dare you insult tim hortons it's a goddamn national hero in canada (laughs) But you know what I mean, though, like, like the whole maple syrup thing. Like, it would be much more interesting if they, uh, you know, if it was if it was Kevin and Ryan, it probably would have been white syrup, lots of white syrup. I hear they they donate that to the uh, they can donate that to the Canadian Sperm Bank uh, every week. Yeah, fun fact that was actually the second sperm bank joke that we made on yesterday's podcast. I can't even remember what the setup for Logan going into how you don't get paid for sperm banks in. Uh, in Canada, but we did somehow. Yeah, yeah. You don't in America. You do get paid uh, if you donate sperm, but in Canada, you don't. It's completely it's completely voluntary. Or if something weird happens at the hospital with a nurse walking by, then it's involuntary. <laughs> and it's very fitting because um, it's 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 a really good thing that this episode took place on Mother's Day for Karen rather than Father's Day for the. Tens of children that uh, are, have popped up as descendants of Kevin and Ryan's donations of their cha- of their charitable charitable acts. Yeah, charitable's one word for it. <laughs> yeah, they're just so nice. They donate everything. So we get into the hot climate of Panama, where everyone really complains about how hot and sweaty it is, and I'm sure everybody's clothes is really sticky from the sweat. Much like how sticky uh, the sperm donations are for Kevin and Ryan. Do you reckon it was the warmest leg they've ever had? Um, no, because there was the two years ago we had the India legs, 
where that was recorded during that infamous heat wave where a bunch of people in India were dying. Um, well, not like a ton. It wasn't like the Black Plague or anything, but I think like 20 or so people died because it was in the, the mid-40s degrees Celsius, which is insane. And production was providing teams with water bottles constantly. And it was just, that's you just couldn't get, you were, you could only avoid dehydration for moments at a time. So what you're saying is Amazing Race Canada killed people in India? Uh, they, they, they didn't kill their own. They didn't kill their own. Um, it's kind of surprising that just how there's there's so many legs in Canada, especially when they film during late April and early May, where it isn't exactly our hottest time of the year, especially if you go to the, especially if you incorporate the more uh, prairie legs or, you know, rounds in Newfoundland, uh, that when they go from there to either Cuba or Panama or Vietnam or India, it's a huge shock to their system. Even Bangkok was a big shock. To uh, Zed and Shabir, especially Shabir. So hot. So hot. <laughs> and um, once teams get to the Bio Museo, they have to uh, search for the statue of the White Wolf, where their next clue is hidden, and they got $550 for this leg of the race. It's kind of funny at the start of the leg, when Sam Paul departed at 11.57pm, that Sam says, oh, you know, you know how each season we always get those stupid promos uh, in each episode even when it's down to eight teams, there'll be teams saying, well, it's really down to nitty-gritty now. We can't mess up. It's it's getting competitive. Here we have Sam saying, oh, it's down to five teams. We can't make any mistakes. And as soon as they get to Panama, Sam and Paul jump out of their taxi and run all along the seawall and completely overshoot the clue. So, yes, you can make mistakes, clearly, because they end up finishing in first place this leg. Yeah, you can't really say it's getting down to the nitty-gritty competitive teams when Karen and Bert are still there. Yeah, you have Karen and Bert who haven't even finished on the podium as of yet. Yeah, they've basically been the most consistent team ever, 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 given that they've had a total of three different placement finishes, and in the last seven episodes they finished in two different places. Other than Mark and Rovilsen, that's got to be very close to a record. To be either fourth, fifth, or sixth, no matter what. Meanwhile, Mark and Rovilsen were first or second... No matter what, until the, until the final ten minutes of the season. <laughs> if only if only Mark studied his flags. If only he studied his flags. Not even like the world flags. He just need to he needed to know just a few flags around Southeast Asia, and he lives in the Philippines. How do you mess that up? I mean, imagine doing the flag challenge for Amazing Race Canada. It'd be like Canada for nine different uh, flags. Oh, yeah, that's the thing I gotta quiz myself on if I ever get on the show. I gotta study the provincial and territorial flags. Well, Quebec's the one with the fleur de lis on it. That's the one everybody knows, though. I know that and the BC flag. That's it. The BC one is a rainbow flag with a bear smoking a blunt, isn't it? While drinking a Tim Hortons coffee. Something like that. It's either a Tim Hortons coffee or he's masturbating. I don't know which it is. It sounds really weird if I then say, I'd really like to see, to see the BC flag actually have someone masturbating. <laughs> no, it's not somebody, it's a bear. A grizzly bear. Who wants to attack the grizzly? Roadblock. <laughs> I remember in high school, I had this one friend named uh, Sean Busis, and I remember we had this one conversation. I wonder it... where this is going. <laughs> yeah, he, had... He's now known as the masturbating bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had this conversation how just how everyone has so many sexual innuendos 
where or anybody who adds you know what i mean to the end of the sentence and how we just how uh american mainstream media comes with all these euphemisms in tv in like comedy tv shows for masturbation so he, the one that he came up with is oh i'm gonna go attack the grizzly <laughs> strong run, front runner for the uh, the episode title is probably going to be attacking the grizzly <laughs> yes it is and these are jokes we didn't tell yesterday. <laughs> what you didn't know? I could just picture dreams from Survivor Fiji if we just replayed that clip of him saying, and, and that's what we didn't know, Jeff. That's what we didn't know. Um, so, yeah, we get $550 for this leg of the race, and it's Canadian dollars, so people aren't upset once again that they're using American dollars for a foreign country. It's Canadian dollars. Canadian dollars, just like the... Quebecois Dragon's Den kayaker would say. Water kayaker. Or water hockey kayaker. Yeah, I was going to say you can't have any other sort of kayak. Yeah. Other than a water one. Well, there's field hockey and ice hockey. Maybe there's like water kayak and land kayak. Land kayak would be very difficult and also destroy the kayak. (laughs) They could probably find a design. Uh, It needs to have wheels on it, probably. Casters of some description. It would be wind powered with the when you uh, paddle. Let's see. Oh yeah, when they get to Panama, of course, Karen does that weird squeaking noise out of excitement in the taxi, and then Corey and Ivana say that this leg is on the that Corey once again hung on by the skin of his dreads, and that it's a do or die boy. That's what this leg is. Even though nobody's going to die this leg because it's a non-elimination. Yeah, sadly, there was absolutely no jeopardy. And of course, Corey starts screaming constantly in the taxi while Ivana complains that she has a heart attack. I believe Corey must have said the words playa like 20 times in the taxi. Talking of Major Race Canada killing people, Ivana has a heart attack. Yes, which fits in well considering in the, at the end of the very last episode, her roadblock task was about, was uh, you know what causes these, uh, the studies show that... Uh, you know, I don't know, a poor diet causes heart attacks. You know what really causes heart attacks? Constantly talking about these studies. But no, what really causes a heart attack is uh, going to a place that has high humidity and Corey screaming in your ear next to you. Yeah, good luck with that, Ivana. <laughs> um, and then we get to the first clue box in the Bayou Museum, and Kevin and Ryan are tricked by a camouflaged clue box. They start playing with the interactive screen on the museum, and actually learn a lot about the um, local indigenous species in Panama City. Dude, is White Wolf a euphemism? <laughs> That's what I call mine. If I make it howl. <laughs> Let's make that White Wolf howl, bro. Give her. First we attack the grizzly, then we make the wolf howl. <laughs> <laughs> and you said there was four givers this episode? There was indeed four givers this episode, bringing us up to 47. Which, after eight episodes, means our total is just under six. This is the lowest ratio we've had all season. It is. We're at like 5.8, probably like 5.825 givers. That's like 2.7, 2.9 givers per person. And Andrea is a bit confused about whether they're actually flying to Panama or not, or whether they're just driving. Oh yeah, she was really confused. 
Like, you take a ferry to Labrador, get into one of the Chevrolet vehicles, and then drive for 10 days down to Panama. You get to see the eastern seaboard of the U.S. It would actually be the longest amount of time that, that they've uh, done foreign travel in Amazing Race Canada history. Because you'd wind through the States, you'd go through Mexico, just try to not get kidnapped by the cartels. And then you get to view the soccer wars in Guatemala and Honduras. And then you get to see where 20 seasons of Survivor filmed in Nicaragua. Go through Costa Rica, say, and finally... Nicaragua. 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 This, welcome to Survivor New Zealand in Nicaragua. <laughs> It'll get you Ricky Bobby in Nicaragua. I love how all of about six people will have watched Survivor New Zealand and know what we're talking about. <laughs> Nicaragua. Sponsored by Pizza Hut. This pepperoni pizza is mine, ladies and gentlemen. That's not a bad sponsorship. It's not as bad as Burger King or uh, Outback Steakhouse is pretty good. It's not Burger King, Michael. It's Hungry Jacks. Because that's what they call Hungry Jacks in Australia, for those of you that don't know. Because Burger King um, was a name that was already taken before uh, the American Burger King started going international. And Hungry Jacks, of course, was the sponsor of the previous season of Australian Survivor. It was, but this season it's apparently KFC. Yes, and we're waiting for that KFC reward, and it's going to be finger-licking good. Much like after an experience with Kevin's White Wolf. <laughs> How many of these jokes are we going to do? Are we just doubling down on the masturbation jokes now? I think we're done for for the podcast. Okay, so this leg, um, they get their clue, and they find out they have to go to the Pastio Esteban Huertos. And they have to find the, the seawall where their next clue is hidden. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they're so close together that we don't even get the official uh, subtitle of Adam and Andrea being in last place. Nope, not the first time this season that they will be in last place either, or this episode. Yes. New experience for them. Uh, well, other than getting lost for directions, but it doesn't really count when Dan and Rhea are still in the same leg as you. And they actually pull they actually pull a Dan and Rhea this episode when they don't know what a cardamom is, and incidentally, I didn't know what a cardamom is. Michael knew what a cardamom is, though. Yep, cardamom is a an Indian spice. Which is more understandable to not know that when it's, you know, indigenous to South Southeast Asia, rather than basic English words like or, or tightrope, or uh, polo. You know it's bad when I know more about Indian food than you do. Yeah, because I love Indian food. This is well documented. Actually... I am probably having Indian food for lunch and Indian food for dinner today. Whereas I had a Sunday roast. Yeah, you have the most American diet of anybody I've ever met. A Sunday roast is not American. You wash your whole mouth out. <laughs> Traditionally British, thank you very much. Well, they, the Americans borrowed it from the British. Yeah, but there are. it was ours. But the South, the Southern United States really took over that Sunday roast. Yeah, they don't know what a proper roast is. Well, I never said it was. We never said it was proper. I'm just saying, like, they love their roast. They, just like they don't know what gravy is, they don't know what uh, proper roast is. I didn't even know what gravy was until I became vegetarian. Like, oh, there's there's meat in that. And in, in fact, uh, a couple of my other friends, I think, yeah, my close friend Heidi, I told her about that. How I didn't, how I felt like an idiot for not knowing that uh, there was meat and gravy when I first became vegetarian. And she and a couple of others did not know that either. So, 
Apparently in Canada, we just don't know, uh, or here in Vernon, we just don't know our condiments and spices. Well, I say that gravy has meat in it. Actually, doesn't necessarily. There, there is veggie gravy. You can make anything into veggie, but ninety percent of the time, there's going to be meat in that gravy. Bisto is the main brand of gravy over here, and the beef gravy that Bisto make actually is suitable for vegetarians. Oh, that's interesting. So you can get all all of the taste of meat without the actual, you know, eating it, if you really wanted to. Man, I really want to make a Kevin Ryan joke right now, but I won't. Anyway, so let's talk about this episode, unless about semen. (laughs) Best segue ever. (laughs) And we get to the roadblock, who's ready to meet their moolah, or who's ready to meet their match, as teams must find a moolah which is a special design on a shirt. And Corey gets a little bit confused, and knowing that Ivana is from Serbia, she probably found it hilarious that Corey mixed up Mula with the Croatian currency of Kuna. Which fans of this podcast will know quite well, given that we made a bet involving Kuna last week. <laughs> yes. And how Logan palmed me off with a 10 Croatian Kuna note instead of a £5 British note. <laughs> I'm just the worst. <laughs> you are. You are indeed the worst. Um, but yeah, it's hilarious that out of all the words Corey could have chosen to mix up moolah with, not 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 the fabulous moolah from American professional wrestling, but he chooses Croatian currency. What are the chances? Yep, and he needs to find his moolah very quickly. Otherwise, he might not win any moolah at the end of the race. <laughs> indeed. And it's kind of funny that with Corey, he chose the Star of David. So he's having to go around looking to see if anybody has the Star of David on their shirt. Like, what's going on in Panama? And then it gets even worse when Karen chooses a Jesus fish. And so we got Jesus fish and Star of David. So Panama isn't really too accepting of two major religions. Also, if I was one of the Moolahs, I would want desperately to force... Um teams to pay me if they wanted to get their next clue. I would just sort of sit down in the corner and just go, come on, give me some moolah. <laughs> it's the same in Spanish as it is in English. Castellano eh, English. Pescado Jesus. Pescado Jesus. Not poison. <laughs> but yeah, so they have to... It'd be really bad taste, though, if you ask for money when you have the Star of David on you, Michael. <laughs> That would be a that that would be a bit, bit of a negative stereotype. And um, Adam and Andrea think that they've picked the wrong person to do this task because Andrea designs patterns for a living. But she wouldn't be able to move around as well as Adam does, considering the brace on her knee. And of course, Paul gets the longest walk of his life as the person that's wearing his moolah is one of the shortest people in all of Panama. She's so slow; it's ridiculous. <laughs> Muy despacito. This is how we do it down in Panama. <laughs> this is Panama. We walk slow as shit. Nosotros <laughs> despacito. It was a great day a few weeks ago at work where um, we've got a guy from Madrid in our team at the moment. And oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, and all we were doing was just uh, singing Despacito, all of us, because we all had it stuck in our head and he was correcting our Spanish. Oh, yeah. I don't even know how to follow that up. Um, anyways, so uh, it's kind of funny because this task comes off really perverted too. 
because uh, everybody has to check out the backs of the women. But it's like, no, 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 they're not just checking you out. They're not checking out your culo, they, or kula. They just, uh, they're checking out for designs on the back of your shirt. We swear. Or maybe they're not. Maybe just random Canadians get a sense of Panama to go perv on people. <laughs> oh, la, la, señorita. Me gusta la mula. <laughs> Hola, I want to see your Star of David. <laughs> um, anyways, so um, I don't really have too much else about the seawall task. Do you? Nope. Other than Karen crying in front of a Heineken sign and Corey wandering so far off trail that he ends up at a baseball game and Andrew and Adam somehow ends up back in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I think Paul and I think Sam wanders off into med school. Yeah, that. They weren't the best with finding their mulas. And then after Karen's done crying in front of the Heineken sign, uh, after the commercial break, where right before the commercial break, she says, oh, I guess I have to give up. And then after the commercial break, no, she doesn't give up, and she finds the mula. Hashtag never give up, Karen. Hickamula. So we get to our detour, which is, unfortunately, if unfortunately it's not punch or drunk, it's up for a drink or down for the count. It should be punch or drunk. It should be. I'm so disappointed. And up for a drink, teams must taste five beers, five or cinco cervezas, and identify them amongst 14 possible options, including cardamom. And once they match up all five, they're not told how many they have correct upon each guess. But as soon as they match up all five correctly, they are given their next clue. Or they can choose down for the count, where you have to learn four combinations, unlike the 240,240 combinations in the up for a drink task. Once they learn all four combinations, they can enter the boxing ring, and if they complete the combinations correctly, they'll receive their next clue. And it was very fitting because I watched this episode yesterday morning on the same day as the Mayweather and McGregor fight. Let's be clear, this is a fantastic detour, especially given how terrible this season as a whole has been. This is a really good detour, because they do go crazy for boxing in Latin America. Mixed martial arts is not that big there in contrast to boxing. And also, it's utterly hilarious that they gave them such a difficult alcohol-themed task, deliberately made sure that they didn't have any alcohol for about a month, so obviously people would pick it, made it so difficult no one could complete it, and then let them beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. It's like an average Friday night in Dublin. <laughs> yes, it is. Or in Manchester. All you have to do is add in the riot police. We don't have that but that many riot police, really. You said that you that the riot police were there in Manchester on Saturday night because they're expecting a bunch of drunks right before Christmas. There's an occasional riot police presence. <laughs> occasional riot police is more than enough riot police. It's usually the Monday before Christmas. People go a little bit cray-cray. And Monday, Bloody Monday? Manic yeah, Monday? M- Mad Monday, it's known as. And occasionally they have to bring out a few riot police. Then he's gone mad, hasn't he, Mommy? Yeah, we see riot police very occasionally. And I mean, I don't even work in the centre of town anymore, so I'm safe from it officially. So anyways... Uh... Uh, everyone falls for the beer trap except for the trailing two teams. Uh, Adam wanted to go straight for the beer task because he hasn't had a drink in over a month. And I'm starting to question if he 
Uh, it's kind of fitting that his team's initials are AA because that's also the same initials for Alcoholics Anonymous. And then Simon Paul, when they read the task, just start screaming, beer, 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 beer. They don't even read the full task or even use proper sentences. They just start screaming out beer repeatedly and and head off to the up for a drink task. Yeah, fun facts. Um, Adam does have an Instagram bio friend of Bill W. Oh, yeah. Bill W follows him on Instagram. He does. Bill W is his sponsor. Is Bill W a sponsor for this task? <laughs> he should be. <laughs> <laughs> It's an obvious trap detail, because the longer you go on in doing the beer task, the harder it's going to be for you to win the beer task. It's a shame that all five teams didn't choose the beer task, because I bet if all five teams were there, then they all would have uh, would have stuck it out as long as they could. I don't think there would have been as much switching. However, this should have been a, um, a task that appeared on the Family Edition. <laughs> yes, Billy and Carissa Gagan. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, they sent the weavers around two different racetracks. Giving kids beer is not out of the question. Yes. It's like, come on, guys, you already did something to bad taste. Why don't they taste some bad beer? And which detour would you have chosen? I would have chosen the boxing task because I'm a shallow breather and a shallow smeller. So I know I wouldn't have been able to taste the distinct flavors in the beer. Isn't a shallow breather the preferred option for Kevin and Ryan? Yes, I, I probably, probably. Um, so I would be careful that they're not going to be attracted to you, <laughs> just in case. Yeah, hopefully. in other words, do not turn my back to the beer glasses is what you're saying. Yeah. I need to put that special nail polish me on me and then stir it in the drink and make sure it doesn't change color. Yeah, because you may need to just sort of cover your peaches. Otherwise, you might end up being a bit salty. Yeah, there was salty beer. The salt fla- that must, that beer must have tasted terrible if it was just salt flavored. There was also peach beer. Yes, there was. Which George, which Peach Georgia, the legendary member of the reality fan forum, uh, was very happy to see. That's where the flavor jokes come from. They just it was just amazing. can of producers giving her a special shout out. Give her. Yeah, give her a shout out, guys. And. Ryan, when doing the task, says, Dude, it's so frustrating walking slowly when you want to give her. It's like, that is a sentence that should never have been uttered. Ever. For Even if there was live feed coverage of Amazing Race. Um, oh yeah, and it's funny when Sam and Paul show up to the beer task, because they ask the the guy brewing the beer, the, the brewmaster, they ask him, Oh, uh, how are they? And the guy says, Eh, they're beers. You know, some people say, oh, you know, they taste good, they taste bad, or you'll really like this. It's just, oh, you know, beers. It's like, that's not an answer. No conteste. Way to undersell your product. Yes. You go. Making people want to to really drink your beers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How are they? You know, they're beersy. They're beers-ish. And we did have a question off Wayne about whether... From now on, we can call beer tasks Gordon Wayne Memorial tasks, and I'm going to say no, they're going to be Monty Memorial tasks. Monty didn't even demonstrate this task. He hasn't demonstrated much this season. What did he demonstrate this episode? He demonstrated one task, didn't he? Yeah, he he surprisingly didn't do the surfing. Yeah, he didn't do the surfing. Did he do anything this week, though? I think he's sick. He's not going to be as bad as matches on from um, Survivor New Zealand. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Yeah, because you were telling me when we recorded this podcast the first time that 
Apparently, he was sitting in a pool of his own diarrhea, like Kathy Griffin, uh, during the first Tribal Council. I believe that he said it was coming out both ends. So that's why the parchment, when he was reading the votes, were so drenched. I'm not going to say what he used his snuffer for, but it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> the dream is looking! <laughs> or as he would say, the dream is puking! <laughs> and then they cut to Amy from Australian Survivor say, Oh, he's spewing! He's spewing all over my torch! I'm spewing in Nicaragua! I think Kiwi Probst might become one of my, my favourite impressions that you do. Because it's somewhat accurate. <laughs> because it's just borderline shit. It's like partially really good and then partially really, really not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Adam and Andrea leave the roadblock in second with Kevin and Ryan in third. <laughs> yes. Um... And then Karen finally wipes her tears away and finishes it in last. We do the detour where Sam is Sam and Paul say they can't make any mistakes. They've already made one, and they're about to make a second because they get heavily intoxicated with their reef reels before doing the act of switching detours. So that's already two mistakes they've made this episode, and they're somehow still going to win this leg. And before all that, we get the hilarity of the continuing shit show that is the race play app when the race play question appears without a background, so it's illegible. Yeah, that was really stupid. It really, really was, and I love how much of a, an absolute mess it has become. There hasn't been a single week that it's appeared where it's actually appeared properly. It's like they've been trying to hide the polls ever since they had the, where would you rather travel, the world or Canada? And 89% said the world. Like, my God. I still cannot believe that they kept that in the episode. <laughs> They're like, ooh... Maybe Logan and Michael and Wayne and Gord were right after all these years. Hell will freeze over before Amazing Race Canada actually acknowledges that we're ever right. They're all going to be in constant denial. They're going to say that uh, Canada didn't know what it was voting for when it voted for the rest of the world. They probably thought that some guy in Newfoundland was just rigging the polls again. Just like they did for Dana and Amanda. Um, let's see. Uh, anything else from the... Oh. Another reason why this episode was so good is because we actually get an intriguing situation where it's a it's a detour option that nearly every where the top three teams have all chosen and they all realize it's going to be near impossible to complete and then it becomes a big game of chicken or pollo to see who's going to swap to the other detour and who's going to be too stubborn to stick it out. I think the only tactic that you can do with that bear detour if you are going to choose it is do it once and then switch straight away if you don't get it. Because the longer you do it, the more drunk you'll become, but also the more it's going to affect your taste buds. And the more that peach will start tasting like salt and cardamom. And uh, Kevin and Ryan also say that, dude, there's like a thousand options here. Whereas actually I did the maths, there's 240,240. Which is just one-tenth of the number of times they've said the word giver off-screen. Approximately, yes. <laughs> um. You can imagine that their family is completely obnoxious at all gatherings, because it's like, Dude, give her, give her, give her. Give her some potato salad. Give her me that beer. It's your ninth give her birthday. Give her me my Christmas gifts. Give her me a more positive edit. I don't think that's actually possible. <laughs> um, anyways, and it's kind of funny when they try to stay behind... And they go from 4 out of 5 down to 3 out of 5, and they eventually get down to 1 out of 5 before they realize that they need to switch. 
And funnily enough, one out of five is what most people would give this season who aren't uh, pro-Canadian. <laughs> that aren't Canadian nationalists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, we uh, of course Sam and Paul switch first, which end up being one of the wiser decisions. And what was an even wiser decision is for uh, Paul to constantly uh, drink as much water as he can upon leaving the task, and when he's at the boxing gym, and there's even this one close-up of him taking the most exaggerated sip of water I've ever seen in my life. Well, given how dehydrating alcohol is for you, and then being in Panama where it's probably about 80% humidity, and then having to do lots of physical exercise, he must have been messed up. Oh, yeah. It was, it probably wasn't a, he was probably passed out at the pit stop, or at the, or wherever they, or wherever they check in for the pit stop. So, yeah, Sam Paul made the wise decision to jump off first, and then Adam and Andrea eventually switched, and then Kevin and Ryan, it was either, at that moment, it was either you had to switch right at that moment, knowing that you could probably beat a couple teams at the boxing task, or just stick it out and probably have less and less of a chance with the more you drink. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the boxing task, they did come up with their new catchphrase, which was puncher. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, even though Kevin's a chef, his palate did not help him with this uh, beer task. They got close, but but just not quite. If Hell's Kitchen's taught me anything, it's that chef's palates cannot be trusted. Yes. And it's kind of a shame at the boxing task that we didn't get any punch-out references. We didn't get any... Nobody was dressed up there as Lil Mac. Um, you know, there was no super macho man telling us to release the bogus. Or like any uh, boxers that have terrible pun names that are mildly offensive. And yeah, it would have been great to see some sort of uh, uh, punch-out connection. But of course, we've had one video game surprise this year in Amazing Race. We can't possibly expect two. Yeah, if they already did Street Fighter Five, then I'm really, you know, you know, I'm... I, it's like asking, you know, for a pony and a bicycle on Christmas. You're only going to get one or the other. Oh, yeah, and then uh, Adam and Andrea get to the boxing detour, and Andrea uh, admits to beating up Adam uh, while they are growing up, and she says she always wins the fight, like uh, ACDC's TNT. Not from Alan Salisha. Who, of course, were cruelly cut from the rank down this week. It's a shame. We already finished the round for the rank down since I posted an hour ago. Really? So it's, um, it's Chaotic Midget replied now. I think he's the only one left, but that was really quick. It was, because when we recorded this last night, um, Chaotic Midget was the only person who hadn't um, who hadn't commented, and we were discussing how my threats were completely not empty if anyone cut Logan and Chris. <laughs> and coincidentally, he cut Logan and Chris, so I got revenge. Because they weren't empty threats, and it's still not going to be empty threats, I'm afraid. I have many plans awaiting the avenging Logan and Chris's death. <laughs> Alright, so uh, so the detour, we have uh, Corey and Ivana, who already have kickboxing experience. They did very well at this, even with Ivana's back pain. And they're done in first place. As long as a taxi doesn't screw them up... They could be in the gold medal position for this leg of the race. But... We'll get to that. We'll get to that. There was a sign somewhere that uh, that they weren't going to win this leg. And then Sam and Paul 
uh, finish the task in second after, even though they were clearly not as well coordinated as they were hoping for this task. And their, their cheeks were very rosy. And I don't know if it was entirely because of the humidity. Unlike Monty's at the pit stop, where he just looks absolutely dehydrated, sunburned, and knackered. Somebody bring me crackers, please. Guys, can I have a beer from the detour? Please. Yeah. Monty needs Peach. his fuel. Peach if you got it. Cardamom if you don't. Monty really needs his fuel. Yeah. Feel, feel your favorite host. Come on, Petro. Come on, Petro can. So yeah, so Simon Paul finishes detour in second, where they complain about feeling lightheaded, which, as I said before, probably a combination of many factors. And... Uh, Corey and Ivana get to the active route info, which shall be the great equalizer for this episode, because it's another, it's the second memorization task for this round, but it is a very tough memorization task, and we haven't really had a task like this before. Do you remember when we discussed last week about how all of the tasks were just quite flat for, um, for Amazing Race Canada this season? This is the first episode where all the tasks were decent. It was quite impressive. Yeah. Like, even though I'm, like, I don't want to see any more memorization tasks for the rest of the season. But these two, compared to other memorization tasks we've seen over the years, especially those pioneering ones, th- this is definitely near the top two. It was certainly impressive, especially given how absolutely terrible the rest of the season's tasks have been. I agree completely. And we learn, eventually, once Kevin and Ryan show up, that Kevin, this is the first time I laughed out loud at anything Kevin and Ryan have done all season. Just Kevin's delivery with this quote was great, where he said, uh, yeah, I played the played the clarinet in high school. And then we see the picture of Kevin in the band with the clarinet. And then he says, yeah, I played the clarinet and got extra credit. And I picked up enough extra credit so I could take three spares in the 12th grade, which is very impressive, might I add, that he was able to beat the system like that, much like how he beats the Grizzly. And I've spent the entire season laughing at Kevin and Ryan. Sorry, no, how much production love Kevin and Ryan for some reason. <laughs> and of course, Corey, and if, Corey doesn't, he says that the uniform for the task doesn't fit him very well. I think we define the word fit very differently because <laughs> the shirt is like is half ripped in the back. I think I think the Incredible Hulk fits into Bruce Banner shirts better than Corey did into that Majorette outfit. I know that Amazing Race Canada loves to dress people up, but that is the most ridiculous instance of being dressed up, I think, in Amazing Race Canada history. No wonder Corey wasn't able to complete that task in first and maintain position because his arm movement would have been would have been constricted. Exactly, it's a, he should get a time credit for that. It's like the Ekans or Arbok of uh, Amazing Race tasks. That is not a reference I was expecting. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it yesterday. Yeah, exactly. I'm expecting all of the good jokes. Oh, and a reference you are expecting is that the initial drumbeat that we hear several times this episode, and Michael, you agreed with me, is identical to Destiny Child's Lose My Breath. Hit me! And back at the detour, it's Corey and Nirvana were first, or, yeah, Corey and Nirvana first, Sam Paul second, Kevin and Ryan third? No, Adam and Andrea third. Oh yeah, Adam and Andrea third, where Andrea has the girliest celebration ever after completing a task with screaming and flailing all around. (laughs) 
Not to mention the way that she rolled into the ring <laughs> like a kid playing on a hillside. And then uh, Bert screws up his all Southpaw thing. Yeah, I have a lot of sympathy for Bert and the Southpaw thing as a proud Southpaw. Mm-hmm. He did get screwed up by that task. And then, of course, when he screws that up, uh, Kevin and Ryan finish in fourth, and Karen says, we're in last again. But what were they expecting, really, when they only finish in fourth, fifth, or sixth all season, and there's five teams left? This is probably going to be their permanent position until the end of the season if they keep on surviving. Um, let's see. And then we they, they're already taking so long at the active route info that we're well into nighttime, and nobody has gotten it yet. And Sam and Paul, they do. They always do really well with any choreography or doing anything in sync with each other. It's pretty much their specialty this season as they finish in first. And their clue is a Monty selfie. Yeah, but it's slightly ironic that at the start of the Active Route Info task, Sam and Paul say they love being centre of attention, given that they haven't had an edit, really. No, it's been very minimal. Up until, well, the past few weeks, past about four episodes... They've had a lot more of an edit, but man, those first three weeks, you barely notice they're there. And that's why I think they're winning. That's why I think they're not winning. Sadly, I think the alternative is basically Kevin and Ryan, and I can't even fathom the idea of us talking about a season where frigging Kevin and Ryan win. No, Adam and Andrea are going to win the season based on winner's edit that I've been predicting since episode one. I'm not going to be let down like this. As much as you know very well I love you to be right in this case... I don't think it's going to happen. We shall see. That we shall, given we have three episodes left to talk about after this. I love how Monty referenced his selfie as being a, a perfectly framed photo of yours truly. But this is also something that's caused a little bit of trouble online, given um, given that some people really weren't that happy with the idea of having two different signs and tricking teams. Because it, it really made the... I guess, in a way, it makes the whole episode null and void when you have the two signs. But that's, I mean, it's like the Aiello family where they're like, oh yeah, there's only one reflecting pool, let's go with that one. Oh wait, there's two. I think in this case, they could have asked like, oh, are there two Panama signs? Instead of just saying, oh, uh, get us to this one. And then the driver said, oh, you mean this one? And then the teams probably just said, oh yes, yes, that one. And not knowing that the driver knew there was two signs and was just clarifying which sign they assumed that they wanted to go to. Yeah. So teams have to find the Panama sign on Sintacostera, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. And Corey and Ivana finished the active route info in second, where Corey once again absolutely rushes Ivana. I think he, seeing how that was at a some sort of football field, I think he rushed for about 30 yards. <laughs> yeah, he completely yet again forgot that that Ivana, probably about a week beforehand, had had a really knackered back from diving. She still has a knackered back to this day. I did forget that she tweeted you. Yeah, she's yeah, like she's has legit like damage in her vertebrae from that diving task. So just imagine Corey rushing her again, and then she's like, "Ow, oh, fuck, 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 Corey! Don't you remember? <laughs> You've had four rounds to get used to my back now." So not content with giving her a heart attack, Amazing Race Canada has also, you know, permanently scarred her. Yeah. Well done, guys. Break, 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 break her back. And then, of course, Andrea is focused on, or Andrea is focused on being a perfectionist, so her and Adam fall quite behind. In fact, for the first true time this season, they are in last place as 
Kevin and Ryan finished the task in third, and Karen and Bert finish in fourth and realize that they're finally and not last for the first time this round. And of course, Kevin and Ryan get the really bizarre memorization technique of saying, three, four, blah, ocho, which uh, I, I know my Spanish numbers and English numbers, and that is not the correct sequence. And contrary to popular belief, Ocho is not a rallying cry, given that Kevin and Ryan literally scream it when they get their clue. Yeah. Or it's like uh, Ralphie and the League just yelling out, Gattaca! (laughs) Or it's like, no, that's not what that means. That's not what you think it means. (laughs) Or maybe it's the rallying cry of anybody who watches Dodgeball on ESPN The Ocho. So, um, yeah, Sam and Paul leave in first, and teams have to find the Panama sign at Santa Costera. And then it's uh, Corey and Ivana leaving in second, with Kevin and Ryan leaving in third, uh, Karen and Bert leaving in fourth, and Adam and Andrea leaving in last. Adam was ready to jump off a bridge. He could have he just redone the fast-forward from Amazing Race Family Edition. Or alternatively, redone the roadblock that uh, Andrea did in the Big Orange Bitch. The big, or- the big orange bridge. What Adam should have said is that he wanted to hang with Bob. Yes. And it's Sam and Paul who check in first, and they win a trip that is only slightly better than Chicago. They get to go to New Orleans. Which is actually a cool place from what my sister has told me from visiting there about 10 years ago. Definitely not 12 years ago. 12 years ago in August, New Orleans would have not been the ideal place to go. Because uh, uh, my... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really big big fan of her, but uh, um, an old an old friend of mine, Katrina, was there. Uh, I think that summer. <laughs> That's not the worst joke we've even said on the podcast this week. It's true, though. August of 2005 is when Katrina hit. It is, and that's when um, a little known person called Scott Flannery was living in New Orleans for about six weeks. Really? Yeah, he mentioned it on his podcast a few weeks ago. What a bad time to move there. Did, or did he go there afterwards, or was he there before and realized, oh shit, I'm moving apartments? I believe the story was that he moved there after college, and only en- ended up having about six weeks there, and lost literally everything in Katrina. Wow. He has some interesting stories. He really does. And this, children, is why you should listen to podcast by a friend of the show, Scott Flannery, not according to plan. Yes, the winner of season 29... For those of you who only watch Amazing Race Canada. God. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet, Michael? <laughs> I mean, I know it's a season that uh, that finished airing nearly three months ago now and was filmed about 15 months ago now, but still, it's spoilers. <laughs> and then, of course, Corinne Ivana realized it's the wrong freaking sign. Another wrong freaking sign. They're screwed over by an international taxi driver yet again and we saw how far away the two signs are on the um on the google maps thing or google earth uh, thing that uh, they showed for the pit stop so they've got a long trek back to the other sign and during this time unfortunately kevin and ryan are second place yet again and wonder where cory and ivana are in which case they say what who knows who cares bro no one cares which, as you said, Michael, is what you would say about Kevin and Ryan. <laughs> exactly. Um... <laughs> and it looks like Adam and Andrea are just going to hope that this like is indeed a non-elimination. But Karen and Bert are also taken to the wrong place, which means Adam and Andrea 
the bronze 3.0 team average magnet are just are just a reset to third place once again. They are, and bully for them because it was a very lucky escape. Very lucky escape. They did not have a smooth leg. They, they, it wasn't as smooth as the craft beers. Adam will never drink again. And uh, yeah, it's Corey Nirvana who, in their traditional place, come in second to last. They were so close to elimination that it was in Ivana's bones and in her fourth and fifth vertebrae. And funnily enough, Ivana's bones are now currently propped up by a metal pole, aren't they? <laughs> and that leaves Karen and Bert to be last but saved by the last non-elimination of the season. If I were in Karen and Bert's shoes and Monty's like, well, you know, it's Mother's Day and it's, it's, a, it's being taken to the wrong side. That's a, that's a tough one, guys. That's a tough one. And I would be... and then. If he hasn't officially eliminated me yet, I would just be like, Monty, Monty, stop, stop. Are we actually eliminated? Or, or are you just dragging this out as long as he possibly can? And the answer is the latter. Monty, I'm going to let you finish. But Sam and Paul had the greatest leg win of all time. Of all time. <laughs> and yeah, Karen and Bert are saved by another non-elimination, the final non-elimination, as many casual fans on social media say, oh, this season's had more non-eliminations than any other season, where it's like, no, it's just the fucking same amount, you morons. And then... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's mainly due to the fact that in the last five episodes we've seen three of them not eliminate a team. Yeah, but it's like, guys, just stop, count for the whole season, look how many teams there are, there are how many legs we have to get through altogether, and this is very normal. Remember Family Edition, where we had three non-eliminations in the span of four episodes? <laughs> or China Rush, that had four non-eliminations in the span of five episodes? Or, I think it was one of the Amazing Race Vietnam seasons, where they started with three non-eliminations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone gets to experience the race. That means if they did that this season, everyone would have been able to go to China. Apart from Aaron and Deb. Apart from Aaron and Deb. That would have been an impromptu elimination. They would have got eliminated at the airport. Yeah. Hi, guys. Um, unfortunately, Air Canada can't help you out this time. Sorry, guys. And speaking of Monty, next week he gets his favorite task of the season, where we get Campbell's soup. Mmm, super. Yes. And we revisit... I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're going to re- revisit Regina. And we're once again going to be playing with grains, just like we did during Season 1. Except I don't think we're going to see a beloved family-friendly couple body breaks telling anybody, anybody to fuck off this time. So it's bound to be a disappointment. Although it's not lentils this time, instead it is rape. Seed. <laughs> so expect absolutely no rape jokes next week. Yeah, we're going to be on our best behavior. Best behavior. Because we have lots of standards like that. And unfortunately, we're going to see a lame memorization task by the looks of it. It's a sketch one, so it's just going to be lame by default. And I, as I said earlier this week, I correctly predicted that this leg was going to be a non-elimination and that the following leg was going to be a double U-turn, which they confirmed, which presumably means the penultimate leg will be the final uh, double battle of the season. Yep, and one thing you did predict, which was not true was that Corey Nirvana wouldn't come second last this leg. Yeah, if only that taxi driver didn't mess up. Just putting it out there. (laughs) I was close. I predicted Sam and Paul would uh, do very well again, and that Karen and Bert would be last, and that it would be non-elimination, and that the next leg would have the double U-turn. Yeah, 
you sort of got it 70%. That's a passing grade. Not on this podcast. <laughs> yes, only the strictest standard for this podcast. So we've had a few questions come in. Uh, so Maneeb wants to know what our ranking of the Amazing Race Canada international episodes are. And on yesterday's attempt at recording this podcast, we did do about 10 minutes on this. I can't remember what we decided, so I hope you... I actually wrote it down somewhere. Oh. <laughs> so I'll do it, go through it quickly. D-Day episode. I was hoping we were going to sort of stumble through this just for fun again. Uh, D-Day episode was number one. We have Beijing at the very bottom, along with the Chile and the India legs. Cuba's near the bottom. And then we had both Vietnam legs in second and third after the D-Day leg. Um, and then we have Paris, Macau, and Hong Kong right in that middle tier. And then Buenos Aires. And Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. Aires. Buenos Aires. And then that was pretty much all of the international legs. Oh, and then uh, Bangkok. I have just above India and Cuba. And Panama. I guess we got to fit Panama in here somewhere. If Panama, I say this leg is somewhere in the middle. Actually, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, it's one of the better international legs they've done in a while, at least. Cuba's mm-hmm. probably elevated by the the fact we did the entire fake episode on it and enjoyed it probably a lot <sighs> yes. more because of that, despite the fact they did no Hammerot's uh, tasks at all. I loved going to Cuba. I'm sure you did. With its three currencies and people swimming the Bay of Pigs dressed as a pig and paintballing <laughs> Fidel Castro's family. Ah, good times. That three currencies really confuses uh, really confuses uh, tourists like me. Hmm, I wonder why. Going from cook to peso to use an American dollar in the span of a week in the same city, thats a, it was a bit much. And anything specific you want to say about any of the international legs? Not particularly. I mean, we sort of went into it yesterday, but... I'd say the India legs are quite weak. The Panama leg was pretty good, but that's probably because the rest of Amazing Race Canada 5 has been terrible. Um, the the Hong Kong and Macau legs were pretty good. South America wasn't great. Because Macau and Hong Kong, I believe, was strengthened by it being the first couple of international legs, and then you have Cormac's uh, Macau Tower face, and then Suki and Chinder being on the rise. And also, can you imagine Charlotte and Nabila doing any of those tasks in uh, Hong Kong and Macau? Hopefully it would be funny if she got a Charlie horse while jumping off the tower. And the D-Day leg, of course, number one for its connection, emotion, and just overall tasks. And then the Paris leg, I have fairly high up there right behind the Vietnam legs because it was the insane Mentos task and the big rivalry, the Elaine and Audrey proposal, and Pierre and Michelle getting eliminated in their homeland. Yeah, it was... I'd say if it wasn't for the sentimental value, the Paris leg would probably be number one of the international ones. And both Vietnam legs are really good because you have the bizarre Stefan Antoine uh, moment at the roadblock, and then Emin and Jillian nearly choking a seven-hour lead over uh, Anne and Tanya, and just the overall ridiculousness of the karaoke. And we had... Kelly and Kate absolutely dominate these two episodes, along with Joel and Ashley winning a leg. Weirdly, Joel tweeted me a few weeks ago. Is this the same tweet that I saw? I think it like was. The Farface one? Yeah, it was. So hi, Joel, if you're listening. <laughs> I believe he does listen to us regularly. Yeah. And hi to Lowell as well, who tweeted both of us last week. Yeah. We, we may have to start audio describing the podcast for you. 
And the middle of the ranking, I had Buenos Aires because it was that whole uh, penalty drama with uh, Nick and Sabrina, Dana and Amanda not doing well with the language other than English, not very well at all. And uh, just the tasks were quite good. It was the one bit of the season where we saw Gino and Jesse actually, you know, not be able to be saved by production. Yeah. And then seeing Dana and Amanda run for 20 kilometers in the Chile leg as well. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that about, uh, any other questions? Wayne wants to know how last minute was the last minute switch from Kenya to Panama. And do you think this change played a role in having a better episode? If they'd gone to Kenya, would the episode have sucked? Kenya would have won by default because it would have been so cool to see after all these years. Especially the impressive thing with this Panama leg is I was afraid that with the Mason Race 9 or Mason Race 8 and 19 and 29 having all gone to Panama City that we would have reused a lot of the same locations. But we didn't see any repeat locations next episode. I know you said that, or this episode, I know you said that next episode they start at the Miraflores docks or whatever the hell it's called, the Panama Canal. But uh, this round they managed to find neat enough places that didn't have any overlap. Yeah, so kudos to production. It's not often I can say that at the moment, but well done, production. You actually didn't disappoint me this week. Yeah, and my prediction for next week is Karen and Bert are pretty much going to be screwed because I think they're not only going to have the speed bump to deal with, which will be minor, but whoever gets U-turned first is almost certainly going to be U-turning Karen and Bert. So, and, and plus the fact that they've never finished higher than fourth all season long. So good luck them, and we're, I'm assuming there's going to be some petty U-turn drama, so Kevin and Ryan will probably try and get Sam and Paul out, um, which will then mean Sam and Paul will use the second U-turn to get Karen and Bert out. So probably Kevin and Ryan win the leg, um, Adam and Andrea finish second, Sam and Paul third, then uh, Corinne Ivana fourth? Yeah, something like that. And Kurt wants to know who would win in a boxing match between Phil and John. Oh, man. And the, the answer is the tag team of Alan Wu and Grant Bowler. Yeah, they would just whip their asses. Grant Bowler's special, of course, being the cheater. <laughs> yeah. Stroke them into submission. Which, coincidentally, is the tagline of Kevin and Brian's sperm bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... I don't think I have anything else to really say about this leg. Nope, neither do I. All right, that does it for this week. I'm Logan Saunders. You can follow me at LogSuperKuwaki on Twitter, and you can follow Michael Harmstone at MJ Harmstone. So peace out and just chill till the next episode. And please, whatever you do, do not attack the grizzly or stroke the cheetah. <laughs>